On today's episode of Locked On Pistons Podcast, we are starting our season reviews, and today we're starting off with Jaden Ivey. Did he have a successful rookie season in the NBA? We'll talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons Podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. We did cross 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you guys so much. Now we start our long grind to 10,000 subscribers. So if you guys are watching this or listening to this and haven't hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel, please hit that subscribe button. I would really appreciate it. Or you guys can leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So just to give you guys a preview of how you know we're in, we're going to be attacking the offseason, um, we're going to start off with the season reviews. We're going to knock these out over the next week, two weeks, um, just full-on season reviews unless something happens. Unless something big happens, we'll come on here. Um, we'll talk about something different. But over the next week or two, we're going to get the season reviews out. I think then we're going to follow it up with stuff diving into some head coaching candidates. And then we'll dive into some draft guys and start really diving into the draft. I think that's the order we want going. I might switch the draft and or might combine the draft and coaching stuff together. I don't know yet, but I know for a fact we're going to start off with these season reviews and then probably get into head coaching candidates if the Pistons hadn't hired their coach yet by then. Um, so that's just the schedule for the podcast over the next few weeks. Um, but in today's episode, we'll be talking about later on Hamadou Diallo's season review, Corey Joseph's season review. But first, we're going to talk about Jaden Ivey's season review. And Jaden Ivey, I think had a very successful rookie season. I think it's a good chance that he'll end up on the all-rookie first team. And if he does, I think he deserves it. I don't think it's a home run. I think there's a good argument for Benedict Matherin as well. So this one isn't going to kill me if he doesn't get... Do I think he should get first team? I do, but it's not going to kill me if he doesn't. It's close. It's close. I I don't want to trash other rookies um, when they played really well too. I think Jay and Ivy should get it, but we'll see what happens. Um, The amount of improvement that Jay and Ivy showed through his rookie season, that in and of itself should really show how, or really should emphasize how big of a, how good of a rookie season he had. Throughout a season, you want to see guys get better at stuff. You want to see them adjust. You want to see how quick of learners they are. They want, you want to see them learn from their mistakes. You want to see all that stuff happen in real time. And with Jay and Ivy, you saw that happen, I felt like, every single night. After like January, after January, it felt like each time he had a bad night or anything bad happened or he had a turnover or, or, you know, anything, it just seemed like the next night out, he improved on it. The next night out, he did something different. The next night out, he played better. And that right there is the, if there was anything I could say about Jane Ivey's rookie season, if I had to just pick one thing, by far the biggest thing is the fact that he got better as the season went on and things that he struggled with mightily at the beginning of the season, he did no longer struggle with. At the end of the season. For example, we talked about it a lot on the podcast. His in-between game was awful to start the season. It's just, let's just be honest. Once he got in between the three-point line and the rim, it was a lot of turnovers, a lot of off-base jumpers, a lot of bad runners. It was awful. He was really bad in the in-between game. 
But by the end of the season, we saw him regularly no longer taking these pull-up jumpers where his body is parallel to the ground. No, we saw him taking pull-up jumpers very under control and fluid. Looked incredibly nice, and he was hitting them by the end of the season. By the end of the season, we saw him with his decision-making get better. The turnovers went down the in-between area. You saw him make that cross-court skip pass um, to the corner. You saw him hit the roller on multiple occasions. You saw him learn how to get the big when they played drop coverage against him. You saw him play against the big, get him, get the big that is, to respect him and draw him out of the paint to then lay it off for the big guy that's rolling down on his team. Like, you saw all these little tiny improvements from him throughout the season, and that's by far the most impressive part of Jane Ivey's season. It really does raise the ceiling to see that he improved like this just through a regular season. Uh, His rookie regular season is crazy. Um, Another part of his game that was really, really surprising to me was how well he shot on unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. Now, when he had a hand in his face, when it was guarded, he was not a very good shooter. He was in the 19th percentile. But when he's open, when guys create an advantage for him, like Kay Cunningham will be creating for, for all you guys who worry about whether Kay and Jay and Ivy can fit together, they're going to fit perfectly together. Because Jay and Ivy plays really well off of other guys creating advantages for him, whether that's getting him the ball in a kickout and letting him attack a rotating defense, a resetting defense, or getting him an open shot from beyond the arc, where he was in the 88th percentile in the entire NBA. He was one of the very best in the entire NBA on open catch-and-shoot threes. I did not expect that to happen this season. I did not expect him to be that good of a shooter. I wasn't a believer in his form before the year. I thought his form was a little wonky. But he shot really well. He shot really well when he was open, and that says great things about his potential to fit next to Cade and how well them two can play together. So those are all the positives with how well Jay and Ivy played this year. You saw him improve. You saw him become a better three-point shooter this season. I mean, even if you look at his splits over the months, each each month you saw him get better and better and better. He had one real down month um, in December. December he played really, really bad. But outside of then, outside of that month, January, 15-5-4 on 42-32-70 splits. The following, uh, following month. 16, 5, and 2 on 44, 42, 73 splits. March, you saw him go 18, 7.1. His efficiency dropped down a little bit. Remember the first nine games of that month, that was when he was playing with a double big lineup. He was efficiency dropped because of that. So he had 30, his splits were 39, 34, but his free throw shooting went up to 80. You saw his volume go up. He started to average more points a game, started to see his assist, uh, assist numbers go up. And then the small sample in April, you saw him shoot 44% of the field, 38% from deep, 86% from the free throw line on 22 points, 7.0 assists, and 4.0 rebounds. So literally every month, it felt like he was improving. So that backs up everything that we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Now the one area that he needs to improve on going into next season, reviewing how he played this past season with it, the one area he has to improve on is finishing around the rim. He is one of, He's probably one of the best drivers of the basketball in the league. When it comes to you know just being your guy off the dribble, it's very hard for someone to stay in front of Jay and Ivy. And if you guys remember before the season, if you guys are long-term or long-time listeners of Locked On Pistons, I told you guys before the year I thought he would draw a ton of fouls simply from guys bumping him off their spot because they weren't able to shuffle their feet fast enough to stay with him. And we saw that happen so many times. Him get, him get free throws so many times simply because his first step was so quick that defenses couldn't shuffle their feet fast enough and they were bumping them and he was getting free throws off of it. So you saw that happen. Driving the basketball, there's rarely anyone that can stop him getting there. Now, once he gets there, though, he was not very efficient 
at all. Actually, he was one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA. In the entire NBA, he was in the 10th percentile around the basket. That's actually shocking to think about. Before the year, if I told you that he would be that bad around the basket, you probably would have thought he had an awful rookie season because that's what he was supposed to be great at. He was not a good finisher at all. So with his other improvements that we saw from beyond the arc, his decision-making, his passing, etc., and with what people thought would be really good for him coming into his, his rookie season, his athleticism, his ability to get to the rim, people thought he'd be a better finisher than this. He has to be a better finisher. Absolutely has to be. The good thing, though, for the Pistons is this is an area that a lot of people believe will be a strength of his. So if you believe that he can improve this area, imagine how much, how much more efficient he would have been in his rookie season if he actually was a good finisher. Heck, if he even was an average finisher, if he went from the 10th percentile to like the 40th percentile. Imagine how much more efficient he would be. Imagine how many more points a game he would he would average this season. So the good, if you want to spin it in a good point, you can say, hey, we saw the stuff that we thought he'd struggle with, he improved on. And the area that we believe will eventually come to him and that we believe he will be good at was the, play, was the part he struggled with this, to start his NBA career. And he should improve on that. And if you put all those things together, that will be a hell of a player. I'm looking at it somewhat of a positive as well. I don't think he's going to be that bad of a finisher in his entire in his entire NBA career. I expect that to get better. I expect him to work on that. Um, and if he does, if he does get better with that, combined with the other stuff we saw from him, his ceiling's through the roof. And I think that you absolutely, 100%, can call Jane Ivey's rookie season a success. So that's all I've got for you guys with that one. What do you guys think? Do you guys think Jane Ivey had a successful regular season, his first season in the entire NBA? What were your guys' biggest takeaways, his positives, his negatives? Let me know all that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Hill. Coming up, we'll talk about Hamadou Diallo's season. Start off a little bit rocky, but did he win enough people over? Did he win the Pistons front office over enough to re-sign him this upcoming offseason? We'll talk about that when we come back, but first... I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Nissan. So, the Pistons are no longer playing. And usually, I would tell you guys, Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. But, with the Pistons not playing anymore, I had to find a new player of the week. And the people I'm picking to be the player of the week, yes, it's more than one person, I'm picking all of you guys. All of you guys who continue to choose to listen to Locked On Pistons. All of you guys who continued to support the Detroit Pistons all season. The amount of just... <laughs> just power that you guys had to have to power through this season, the amount of, you know, effort, the amount of, of, you know, brilliancy you guys had to have just to suffer through this season and to, to get positives out of this season. It says a lot about the Detroit Pistons fan base, a lot about the Lockdown Pistons fan base. So my Nissan's most electric player of the week brought to you by the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria is all of you guys, the Detroit Pistons fan base and the Locked On Pistons listener base. I appreciate all of you guys. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence, intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Again, the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week is you guys. Brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review 
on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, before we move into Hamadou Diallo season review, I just got to say for all of you guys watching on the YouTube channel, I don't want to get any comments about my hat. For those of you guys listening on the podcast, I'm wearing a, a, a it's kind of like a, like a pinkish, orangish Jordan hat. And I know the rivalry with some of my older listeners of Jordan versus the Pistons, etc. But listen, man. Jordan brand, like, you guys can't tell me you guys don't wear Jordan shoes. Like, come on, man. It's, it's The Jordan logo, the Jordan brand has elevated among, uh, above the player at this point. The hat's dope. I'm I wear, I'm going to be wearing Jordan stuff for the rest of my life. I don't care. It is what it is. I, I, when I when you go out and grab this stuff, I don't think half the people even think about Michael Jordan himself when you do it. It's just it, the brand is elevated to a point where I don't think I deserve to get any comments again because I remember getting comments about this last year. So just wanted to say that. Don't 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 hit me up with the whole, why are you wearing Jordan stuff? I, I don't want to hear it. Um, but anyways, Hamadou Diallo, one of one of the players over the last few years that I am most happy about proving me wrong. If you guys remember before the season, I was not a big fan of Hamadou Diallo. I just wasn't. And actually, I, I'll own this. I, I, there's a few of you guys who comment this every now and then. Um, I'll own this. Before the year, I said that if you had to pick one be- between Frank Jackson and Hamadou Diallo, I said Frank Jackson. Because Frank Jackson would provide spacing. He would make lineups make more sense because of his ability to space the floor. And I felt like that's what they needed. They desperately needed shooting. Now, I do feel like the Pistons still desperately need shooting. Very obviously, their shooting is is, is inconsistent at best. The pick of Diallo or Frank Jackson over Diallo would have been a mistake based on what we saw this season. Diallo played, after the first you know few weeks of the season, Diallo had by far the best season of his entire career, played ab- absolutely extraordinary. He, he played uh, nothing short of brilliant for the rest of the season. And there's not a player that I'm more, there's not a player that I've been more wrong about and more happy to be wrong about. Um, now, this is what I'll say. Before we get into some of his positives, he only ended up playing 30 games where I would say was some of his, you know, his good stretch. I would say 30 games. He came back. He played for 30 games until uh, March 6th and ended up getting hurt and was out for the rest of the season. I forget what the injury was. I should have brought that up. I, I, I'm drawing a blank right now. But um, he, he ended up being out for the rest of the year. I'm sure a lot of you guys will correct me on what it was. Um, but he ended up being out the rest of the season. However, in these 30 games, after um, it's, so this, this stretch is from December 20th to March 6th when he went out. He was averaging 12 points a game, 4.0, 4.1 rebounds, 1.3 steals, shooting 61% from the floor. 61%. His other splits are awful. Awful three-point shooter, awful from the free throw line. But the amount of volume, the, the amount of volume he was getting at the rim and how, how, like how amazing of a finisher he was. On the season, he shot 57% from the field. The, the amount of volume that he had at the rim and how well he was finishing was was historic, for real. Not many people ever have finished like Diallo has at the rim on that amount of volume. It's crazy how, how well he was shooting around the rim. Nine, or not 94, but 94, actually 94% of his shots were from two-point range. Went way up from last season. Uh, last season it was at 82%, so he stopped taking threes. Last year he was taking 17% of his shots were threes. This year only 5%. He stopped taking threes completely. Before the season, people may have said, 
oh, that's not a good thing because that means he must not be spacing the floor. The, the balance on the floor probably was messed up. It wasn't working, etc., etc. No, because the Pistons, which I think speaks good things for the rest of the roster, the rest of the young guys, is that the Pistons identified a role for Hamadou Diallo. For much of the season and for much of the last two to three years, all of the guys, especially the young guys, a lot of the young guys, we just saw this happen with Sadiq Bey. It was why he was moved. Because they didn't believe that they could get him to buy into a 3 and D role. They didn't get think that he would just, you know, sit in the corner or space the floor or whatever. And now in Atlanta, he's, I think he's playing fine in a, in a reduced role and his team's in the playoffs. So I think my point is, is that if you've got some of these players like buy into a specific role and told them, hey, this is your role, this is what we want you to do. I think a lot of these guys would play better. And that's what they did with Hamadou Diallo. They told him, hey, we're going to put you in the dunker spot. We want you to finish everything. We want you to be one of the best play finishers in the entire NBA. And what a play finisher is, to explain that to you guys, it means he's not necessarily the guy that's creating it, but he will be one of the best guys at finishing off whatever advantage is created for him. So like if a guy, you know, a short roll situation, Duran dumps off to a guy in the dunker spot, Diallo's finishing that off. Guy drives to the rim. Diallo cuts to the rim. Diallo is finishing that cut at the rim. Anything that has a created advantage for him around the rim, he's finishing it. He's He was one of the best play finishers in the entire NBA. So the Pistons told him, look, don't take any more threes. We don't want you with the ball in your hands trying to ISO all the time. We don't want that no more. What we want you to do, we want you to cut off ball. We want you to dominate in transition. If you can get the chance to get out in transition, we want you to get the hell out in transition and do your thing. Use your athleticism. Use your finishing ability to get to the basket and finish. He was in the 70th percentile this year in transition. Very good. They told him get out in transition, cut to the basket, and play in that dunker spot. And man, I tell you this, he absolutely dominated in this role. It turns out when you give guys a role to, you tell them what we want from you. We don't want you to do all this other stuff. We want you to exceed at just this stuff. Turns out it's good for them. So hopefully the Pistons get a coach and this coach, you know, provides a lot of structure for some of these players. Because we start with Diallo, man. He was absolutely sensational in this role the Pistons had for him. On cuts to the rim, he was in the 68th percentile. Offensive rebounds, him at the at, at the dunker spot. I've said this for a while. Diallo's like a 6'5", 6'6", center. If he was a little bit taller, he would be damn near unstoppable. Athletic as hell, physical as hell, one of the best finishers in the entire NBA, and explosive on the glass. But on offensive rebounds this season, he was in the 76th percentile. Absolutely. He, he's such an interesting player. I think that's why. Oh, and also, just to back up the numbers of him at the rim, one of the best finishers in the entire NBA, 82nd percentile at the rim this season. Just absurdly efficient, especially and, and half the guys in front of him, I guarantee, have nowhere near the volume he does at the rim. So it's just crazy how good of a finisher he was this year. But, oh my God, I forget why I was going with it. Either way, what I'm trying to say is Diallo played extremely well for the Pistons. He got better on the defensive end. I think he took less gambles. On the defensive end, he tried to lock in even more. If another coach can come into the Pistons organization, and if he is re-signed, if they can get him to really buy in on that end to be, to, to, to just really be that hard-nosed defender, point-of-attack guy, and just really dominate things defensively, combined with what he's doing for them offensively in that role, I think that would be absolutely big time for Hamdou Diallo. Oh, I remember what I was trying to say earlier. I, I went off on a tangent. I completely forgot. Um... I think one of the reasons why that people like myself missed on Diallo, missed on the, the analysis with Diallo, 
I think one of the reasons, and, and a few other people still, I, I've seen people that still aren't completely bought in with Diallo, is because he's such a like unique player. He's not an everyday normal NBA player that you see all the time. He really is like a 6'5 center. He can't shoot, but is one of the best finishers in the NBA. He can play finish. You don't really want him creating, though, for others or for himself and others because he's not that great of a passer. But he's a great play finisher. If he was a few inches taller, you'd probably just play him at the four position, just have him in the post, or not in the post, but like how he is now in the dunker spot. He's just a very unique player that you don't see often at that size, at that position. But again, with that role that they got him to buy into, he played incredibly well. And I'm, I, I, I can't say anything, anything really bad about his season. The three-point shooting, you just got to accept that's something that's not going to be part of his game. He's not, he's not going to be a shooter. You just got to accept that. So if I were to say like one area that I'd like him to improve on next season, and I don't know, by the way, I don't know if the Pistons will re-sign him. I think it comes to a numbers game. Do they see him having a spot in the rotation? Because I think he's played enough to get it back from somewhere. Like, he would be a fantastic play finisher. Like, if he played in Denver, I feel like he'd be perfect in Denver. Um, but either way, I don't know if he ends up back with the Pistons. We'll see what happens if they want to pay him. Does he have a spot in the rotation? Um, but if I were to say one thing I'd like to see him improve on, whether it's with the Pistons or another team, it, the defense is one thing I'd like to see him really get down and, and, and decide, I'm going to be an amazing point of attack defender. I'm really going to use my length and you know uh, my speed to really cause havoc in the defensive end. But the other area would be playmaking, his vision. Uh, he creates an advantage almost every single time he drives to the basket. If he was able to get better as a passer when guys rotate over and he gets doubled at the rim, if he was able to make them pay on kickouts, which he just wasn't able to do this past season, but he was such a good finisher, it didn't hurt as much. If he was able to also do that, he would be a bro. He would be a crazy player. He would be a crazy offensive slasher. A slashing playmaker would be incredibly viable for him. So that that's the one area I would say that I'd like to see him improve on, either the, either with the Pistons or another NBA team. So let me know what you guys think about Hamadou Diallo's season. Do you guys think he played really well? Do you guys think he has some areas that he needs to improve on? Will he be back with the Pistons? Let me know all that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. Coming up, we'll talk about Corey Joseph, the veteran, the, the, the Pistons' favorite veteran. How did he play this season? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Bill Bar. Are you looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories? Then you need to try the best-tasting protein bar ever, Built Bar. You've got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't want to compromise on the taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't think that they're good for you, but they are. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros and what's even better is that they're healthy for you only 130 calories four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and you don't need to wait to get a box anymore for years we've been telling you to go to built.com to get your built bars but now you can get them at your local walmart or Sam's Club, while you can still get specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right, head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. Again, Built Bar is the tasting best-tasting protein bar ever you've got 
to try this. Again, Built Bar, you have to try it. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Who do you guys want to see have the next season review um, on the podcast? Let me know again in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukahil. Um as you guys can see by the layout of today's podcast, we won't be doing three heavy hitters in a podcast. We'll start like with a starter or a big time name, according to the Pistons, and then we'll drastically go down. We'll go like big name, role player, vet, big name, role player, vet, big name, role player, uh, end of bench guy, like that kind of stuff. We're, we're going to level it out. We don't want to get all the, the you know important guys out in one, one episode. That wouldn't be very smart. I mean, now would it? Um, so... Now we're at Corey Joseph. And Corey Joseph's review for me is an interesting one. Because he started off this season with me thinking, man, Kojo's cooked. Kojo, like, he, he just don't got it no more. He, he can't play. And he was looking like that for a good chunk of the season. He, he wasn't playing well. He looked cooked for a minute there. But then to end the season, he was playing incredibly well for the Pistons. So from October to January, or October to February, here are his splits. 38% from the field, 50% from three-point range. November, 46-33. December, 35-28. January, 30-16. February, 39-33. He looked like he was washed for a minute there. And I was sitting here saying, man, this this really sucks for Kojo because if you guys remember last season, I thought he played so well as the Pistons' backup or played well when he had to play. I was shocked that he came back to the Pistons. I thought that he could be like a backup point guard for, you know, maybe not the top contenders, but a playoff team. I thought he could provide that. And then this season, he looked like he was cooked for a large majority of it. But then March rolled around, and for the final 19 games of the season, he turned into Steph Curry. In March, he shot 49% from the field, 48% from deep. In April, he shot 40% from the field, but that's because the majority of his shot attempts were from deep, where he shot 42% from deep. And in those final two months, he averaged 12 and a half points and 10 points a game. So he, he started to get a burner at the end of the season. So, look, my, my bigger review for Corey Joseph is that it was cool to start to see him, like, kind of start to play better and play well and see that maybe he's not completely cooked. And outside of that, man, all that matters with Corey Joseph is that he maintains being a steady vet in the locker room. And I think he was. I heard Killian on multiple occasions talk about Kojo. I even heard Jane Ivey talk about Kojo. Um, Corey Joseph is a really good vet. A lot of players like him. I believe James Edwards wrote an article at The Athletic about him and about how he's one of the best personalities in the locker room. You really like to have that. And, again, if you guys don't listen to J.J. Reddick's podcast, The Old Man in the Three, I would suggest you guys do. Um, he just had J.R. Smith on the podcast this week. I just listened to it. And they go on there and they talk about the importance of vets. J.R. Smith talks about his growth from how he was as the rookie and, you know, talks about how he was immature and, you know, he didn't do things the right way. But as he got older and got surrounded by more vets, that they taught him how to be a professional basketball player. They help him grow as a human being. They help him grow as a man. And, you know, I love listening to J.R. Smith. Now, you wouldn't expect, trust me, if you guys are thinking J.R. Smith, you guys go listen to J.R. Smith talk on this podcast I guarantee you half of you guys probably don't expect to hear him talk the way he's talking and, and, and you know, as mature and as, and as you know, 
reflective and as you know a veteran presence the way he is. So and he talks about the importance of vets for young teams, the importance of having that those guys in the locker room, having those kind of examples in the locker room for a young team and that they desperately need it. And it's big time. So that's where Corey Joseph is going to be really judged for the Pistons. I do think he's a really good vet. And I think he played well enough, I guess, at the end of the season to think that if he got thrown into action, he could survive for the Pistons. I don't think you necessarily want that to be the case. He's not a very good passer. His vision's pretty low. Um, he can catch and shoot some threes. That is true. Um, and at this point, he's just not very good. You know, At this point, his athleticism's kind of left him, and he's not that great of a, a you know driver anymore. But he's a fine guy and definitely a great vet on this team. I think he was great in that role for the Pistons this year. So if they decide to bring him back simply to be a vet – I wouldn't have any problem with it. You need those guys in the locker room. You absolutely do. We, I've listened to too many guys now talk about it. J.J. Reddick talked about it a few weeks ago with the Houston Rockets. I heard Zach Lowe and Jonathan Giveney talk about it on the low post a few weeks ago with the Houston Rockets. I just listened to J.R. Smith talk about it. I've seen former players on, on TV, uh, Richard Jefferson, talk about it. Uh, it's important, man. It's, it, it's important to have good vets. And, I, look, again, like I said, I don't know if Kojo has much left in him. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. But from a vet perspective, I think he's great for the Pistons. So if they wanted to bring him back on a vet min, I, I wouldn't be mad at it. I wouldn't be shocked at it because he does do his role correctly. And they need that. They need that in the locker room. So I think Corey Joseph had a fine season then in that in that perspective. And he ended the season on an absolute burner. He turned into Steph Curry over the last two months. So let me know what you guys think about Kojo's season. Comment section down below. Do you guys want him to return as a vet for this team? Or are you guys done seeing Kojo on this team? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I will say this, Dwayne Casey's no longer the coach. So I don't think you guys, if Kojo got brought back, I don't think you guys would have to worry about Kojo randomly getting played for 15, 16 straight minutes. But that's just me. Maybe it will happen. Who knows? Maybe he, Kojo has something on a lot of coaches. I don't know. It's a joke. It's a joke, everybody. It's a joke. Everyone just <laughs> laugh and, and keep it moving. Everyone laugh and keep it moving. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Um, but that's all I've got for you guys on today's episode. Um, leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel, Lockdown Pistons, obviously. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. And until next time, stay safe, everybody. Enjoy these play-in and playoff games upcoming. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, again, until next time, I'll see you guys later. Peace out.